So, Madeline, last week you were talking about Elizabeth Bathory. Yes. And you had mentioned, well, I was editing the episode and I realized that you had mentioned she had kids. And we really didn't talk about that too much. I don't know if there there was any real story behind that, but it was just crazy to me that this lady was full-on serial killer and she had kids. It was just crazy. Yeah, now that you mention it, I honestly didn't really put that together and I didn't really look into much detail about her kids or what happened to them. For all we know, they could have been part of her torture crew. Yeah, I imagine that we would have heard about that if that was the case, but it would be interesting to to see what happened to them, but maybe if you know they didn't become serial killers, there there was no stories to tell. Yeah. So they're kinda of just in the background. So last week you had the the ultimate or original recorded yes serial killer. And what do you have for us tonight? So I kind of have a very dark love story but not love story. One-sided love story. <laughs> <laughs> um Before getting to this story, I do want to give a warning that it does involve necrophilia, but I do not go into much detail about it. It's just a quick... Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) Anybody who doesn't want to listen, I think I'll hang around though and see what happens. I would hope so. Otherwise, (laughs) I'd be all alone. So we all hear crazy stories of crazy crimes in Florida, you know, like Florida man does this. Well, apparently Florida had its fair share of craziness in the 1930s. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We may have listeners in Florida. We do not want to upset them. There's nothing wrong. It's just, it's a, it's a thing that goes around and I'm not like judging or anything. Okay. Again, we don't have to keep that in. I just want to <laughs> say I'm going to be talking about the crimes of Carl Tanzler, who was born in Germany in 1877. He had many aliases on many of his German and United States documents. I have a list of his aliases, but they're different variations with weird pronunciations that I would not be able to pronounce. He reportedly studied weather patterns in Austria in 1910 and stayed until the end of World War I. When he returned back home, Tanzler married and had two children in 1920. They had moved to Zephyrlis, Florida, where he had left his wife and children in 1926. In 1930, he began working at the Marine Hospital in Key West, Florida as a radiology technologist. He had often kept to himself until he met Elena de Hoyos. She was a beautiful Cuban-American woman with dark hair, and she was described as Tanzler's dream girl. He actually claimed to have seen the girl in his dreams. The problem was that Elena was diagnosed with tuberculosis and dying. He disregarded all hospital protocol and did everything he could to try to save her. 
Tansler felt he could cure her, and with her parents' permission, he set up an x-ray machine in the home to monitor her progress. He expressed his undying love to Elena, and although it was unclear how she felt about him, she definitely did not reciprocate his feelings. She was dying, so I, I don't know what he expected from her. I just have a bad feeling this is going in a bad direction. Oh, I am not even... This is just backstory. Okay. <laughs> in 1931, at 21 years old, Elena had died. Tansler had paid for her funeral and tomb. He had an above-ground stone mausoleum built just for her that only he had a key to. He visited her resting place every night for two years. Tansler would sing to her and talk to her. He even said that her spirit came to him and asked him to take her away from the grave, so he did. In 1933, he pulled Elena's corpse from the grave and rolled it to his house on a toy wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this is just so messed up. How did he not get caught though? I know. Okay. Like, aren't toy wagons like noisy and just like walking, casually walking to you? I don't know. That's just such a bizarre image. Okay. He casually began living, dancing, and caring for Lana's corpse. He did a lot to preserve her body from using coat hangers and wire to keep her skeleton intact. <laughs> Why are you making faces? <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, I guess my faces don't go over too well on, on audio, but oh my God, I'm just just having a hard time with this story. This is just so bizarre. Yeah, it, it gets even more bizarre. Then using silk towels and wax to repair the skin as it deteriorated and glass eyes for her eye sockets. For her hair, he used a wig made of Elena's hair that her mother made and gave to him. Uh, this is not funny but it's just it's so bizarre how how does somebody mentally do this he was in love she was his dream girl he would buy her gifts as if they were in a normal relationship at one point he considered (laughs) (laughs) he considered at one point he considered launching her body to space so that the radiation in the stratosphere could help restore her body. So he was just completely off his rocker. I mean, if he was already off there, he was just completely off. This was, again, going back to 1933. Yeah. And he was thinking about launching things into space. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty forward thinking. Yeah. He had potential in that area. He had like an airship ready for her. What? (laughs) He, he had an airship he, ready for her. Where did he get an airship? He built an airship? That, the, that information, I don't know. Okay. And how was he going to launch this into space? Well, he never did, because I'm assuming he never figured out how to do oh. that. Okay, so he just didn't figure out. Yeah. He built a spaceship, but he, he didn't know how to get it off the ground. Yeah. Okay. I, he instead ended up dousing her corpse in disinfectant preservatives and perfumes for seven years. What what does a corpse look like after seven years? Oh, I should send you the picture. There mm-hmm. is a picture of her. Oh, no thanks. It's She does not look like a human. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. 
1940, one of Elena's sisters heard rumors of Tanzler sleeping with the corpse of her sister and dancing with it in front of a window. She heard rumors about this? Yes. And did she confront him? Yes, she had confronted him in his home where Elena's corpse was later found by authorities. So she confronted and then called authorities and they found... And did he then fall in love with her? (laughs) No, I think he was too obsessed with Elena. Maybe they didn't look alike. That's crazy. Okay. Tansler was arrested while Elena's corpse was placed on public display at a local funeral home where over 6,000 people viewed it. Why was it put on public display? Probably because of how crazy it looked. Why, though? I mean... I, I don't even... Okay. It was bizarre to me, too. But it was like a huge thing that went on where they were at, so... Her corpse was shortly returned to an unmarked grave. Carl Tanzler faced no criminal charges for grave robbing since the statute of limitations had already passed. What's what's the statute of limitations on grave robbing? I have no idea. I thought it was just for future reference. <laughs> isn't it like isn't it like five years? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, isn't like the statute of limitations usually like five years? Well, or it depends something? on what the the offense is. Um. Oh, well, then I don't know. I didn't look that up. Especially, I don't know what it was in 1940. This is a bit graphic. But an autopsy found a paper tube inside Elena confirming rumors of necrophilia. Okay. That evidence didn't surface until years later, which meant Tanzler didn't face any repercussions for that. What, you know, he, he already stole the corpse. Yeah. And he, passed, and he was past the statute of limitations. So if they would have figured out he had done something to the corpse, then, then they would have charged him? I have no idea. This is probably like the first case of this that they've had they probably had no idea what to do but he did not face any charges which i think is crazy yeah some locals actually took pity on tansler women even thought it was romantic who thought it was romantic women like local women thought that it was romantic some of them i personally would not think it's romantic i think it's gross no it's just it's sad she was 21 right she died and then he does all this stuff to her body. Yeah. Obviously, she's gone by then. But I mean, my God, she was, she died at 21. And then they think it's romantic that he stole her body and violated her. Yeah. I'm assuming it's because of the undying love he had. But still, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't know. It's just messed up. Yeah. That's just, that's just messed up. Okay. In 1944, at the end of everything, Carl Tanzler moved to Pasco County, Florida. He didn't live far from his wife, who had later supported him. Wait, what? (laughs) He didn't live far. In 1944, when he had moved to Pasco County, he didn't live far from his wife, who had later supported him. So he was, like, still married. But they weren't living together. Why would she support him? It's just bizarre. In Pasco County, Tanzler made a replica of Elena's body out of a death mask and a life-size model. I don't know if you know what a death mask is. Yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) when we get in my story, I'm talking about, I don't want to, no spoilers here, but I was talking about Queen Elizabeth I. Yeah. And they had a picture of her death mask 
And I was like, oh, how bizarre. We have to have an episode about death masks. It's just such a bizarre. So, okay, so go on, go on, go on. After the trial, he had the nerve to ask for her body back. <laughs> Obviously, his request was denied. So she was in uh, uh, at the evidence locker. No, I think she was in an unmarked <laughs> okay. grave. No, uh, well, no, I, I was just saying he he. After the trial, he gets his evidence back. So yeah. here's your wallet. Here's your keys. Here's your corpse. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's crazy. Like, in what world? You just had a trial over this. What world do you think that you're going to get the body back? Well, obviously, in his world, he uh, he did this to a corpse. He was going to rocket it off into space. Why would he not think he would get it back? That's true. But in the same sense, if he could do all this as far as rocketing into space, why didn't he just make his own with her death mask? Go to a... Go to a store and steal a mannequin. Uh, sir, that's not for sale, sir. <laughs> Wheeling it down the street in, in a toy wagon. wagon. <laughs> no. Rumors are that he managed to switch the replica of Elena's body with her body. So he could be near her for the rest of his life, in which he then eventually died in 1952. That's just some kind of messed up. That he's so attached to that body. I just wonder what the psychology is behind that. How somebody could be just that far off the rocker. Yeah. It's just like, there are other people out there. I mean, it, it's just sad. Cause it's like, wouldn't you want someone living that can like actually speak to you? Well, that's what I don't understand is what, what was his obsession with her even to the point where he was obsessed with this rotting corpse. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, I don't think there's really any way to be able to understand the psychology behind. I know he did get an evaluation to see if he was like fit for trial, and they said he was fit for trial. <laughs> I don't think there's much of an evaluation there. <laughs> I don't know how in any world he could be fit for trial. I mean, it was in the 1940s by that point, so... Now, I don't think it would pass. Just in any time. I mean, what he was doing and what they found, you know, it's off to the loony bin. Goodbye. Yeah. And that would have been better than taking him to trial because obviously nothing happened to him, right? Yeah. So they should have put him away. And I just, I'm confused why people supported him and took pity on him. As we know, there are just all kinds out there. But it didn't seem like... It was only like one or two people. It seemed like quite a few people in that area took pity. And it's like, why not the family? The family had to have been devastated and horrified. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's bizarre. So is that all the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. All the uh, details you have of that story? Yeah. Surprisingly, there wasn't more. I think that was more than enough. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to know any more details. Alrighty. So, shall I get into my story? Yes, what do you have? Alright, so, have you ever run into the situation when you're, when you're doing some research and you, you read something that takes you off onto another topic 
and you start digging into that a little bit and then then you go off into another topic and another topic and then before you know it you're like six topics away from where you originally started yeah so that's kind of where i was at uh with uh, i was researching my story and i don't know what happened but i ended up on this article about the bloody mary folklore you know the slumber party mirror game yeah you familiar with that when i was a kid it was more of don't do it in the school bathrooms (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna hate myself for asking but don't do what in the school bathrooms the bloody mirror mary okay i just want to make sure (laughs) i thought we were going off a different different uh no don't do bloody mary so that was the whole thing about do so it was a dare to do it in there or everybody was just don't do this don't do this well only the brave ones did i was not well i thought it was kind of silly but i also had a little bit of a fear to do a bloody mary yeah <laughs> yeah there we all <laughs> uh so so yeah so i was uh i was reading you know i was like okay i'll, I'll just go ahead and i'll read you know I'll read this article i'll get back you know because i was like well there's you know there's there's really not much to it. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, urban legend, folklore, whatever, uh, kids party game, slumber parties, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a party, you know what I mean? Slumber party. So for you, it was in school for, for us, it was slumber parties doing the Bloody Mary thing. There were a lot of games like that, like for slumber parties, not to get off topic. A lot of those type of games where you're going to say, chant somebody's name and well i know there was one called a shark bite and then the sandman one okay we'll have to we'll have to discuss those (laughs) at some point because i never heard of them um shark shark man you said shark (laughs) shark bite and sandman (laughs) and there was a similar one and that you kind of like bloody mary but it was a different name that you chanted in the bathroom yeah well she went she went by a lot of different names but but anyway so i I was reading it i was thinking oh well you know there's there's really not much to this as far as even thinking about a future story unless we were going to do something about these you know type of folklore uh, urban legend type of things which would be would which would be interesting but i'm like "I'll, i'll just read this article and then get back to what i was originally researching but then in the article i read something that i said oh you know madeline this this would be an interesting thing to bring up for you so i thought okay well i'll I'll bring it up in in the episode i'll just mention it because it's just a point of interest and i'll I'll get to that in a minute but then you know then i'll I'll just get onto my other story right so i'm reading a little further and and it's getting more interesting and more interesting so no so here i am talking about bloody mary which was totally not my intent uh so just to recap i mean for you uh, obviously it was a little different but uh for us it was you know bloody mary's a ritual uh most commonly you know this started off in the 70s i think this is when it really took off was in the 70s during slumber parties and most commonly was in front of the bathroom mirror and that's the thing I don't understand about like with the bathrooms at the school because it was supposed to be done in a darkened room in front of a mirror. I think you were able to turn the lights off. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and then, you, you know, and then you say Bloody Mary multiple times 
depending on what version of the story you heard, it would be, you know, uh, different, different numbers of times and it would summon her spirit. Yeah. All right. So, you know, and I think like you just mentioned was besides Bloody Mary, she went by, uh, probably I saw at least a half dozen names. I, I remember I've heard of Mary Worth before and Hell Mary, uh, but there, I, I know I saw at least a, a half dozen, excuse me, a half dozen other ones. As you can imagine, these word of mouth stories have, you know, so many different variations, especially back you know, back in the 70s, where it was literally word of mouth, you know, getting around the country and everything. So there's different variations of, you know, like what you did when you chanted, what you chanted, you know, what happened when you summoned her. You know, some of them were you would, you would turn around and chant her name. Uh, I, I read one where they would chant her Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and keep getting louder and louder until they were screaming until she would appear. How I imagine that one would require the parents not to be home at the time. Yeah, I was going right. to say, how would you do that with, <laughs> like, at a slumber party? Yeah, the, the most, the one that I remember was, um, well, I've heard variations of chanting Bloody Mary uh, 13, 7, or 3 times. For us, it was 3 times. I've only heard three times. I didn't know there was other number variations. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's the whole instant gratification thing, right? You yeah. know, let's say it three times and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. You know, 13 times takes too long. Damn it. Let's get on with this and get her eyes gouged up. Because that's what, at least what I heard was that she was supposed to peer and then start scratching at your face to, to gouge your eyes out. That was the whole story, right? And, I... you know, what kid doesn't want to be a part of that? Yeah, that sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who wouldn't want to do this ritual? That's so crazy. I only heard. I mean, maybe so what was just, supposed to happen when when you went into the bathroom? And, she was just supposed to appear. Uh, I don't really remember. Oh, your generation is so <laughs> so lame. <laughs> well, she's supposed to appear, and you talk to her. <laughs> Why are you so bloody? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's just I wasn't really into much of those games, so maybe that's why I didn't hear about that. I don't know if there was like other stories, but I only knew of her appearing. Maybe it was her appearing, and then you shit yourself and run out of the bathroom. <laughs> Good thing you're in the bathroom, then you're gonna shit yourself. All right. So supposedly, so that's you know kind of what you're supposed to do. But supposedly, the the Bloody Mary legend uh, has its roots in an old European folklore of a divination ritual, which is, and, and obviously this folklore also has variations, but one of them was that a young woman could stare in a mirror again in the dark and she would catch a glimpse of her future husband. Or she might catch a glimpse of a skull or the Grim Reaper, in which case that would indicate that she is going to die before she gets a chance to marry or die a spinster. Hmm. Uh, an interesting side note is that up until the early 1900s, there were actually Halloween greeting cards depicting this this ritual. I'm not sure what the fascination was. There was a lot of discussion on that, but it was kind of interesting. So the the first thing that caught my attention about this story, the one that, that I thought you'd be interested in, was um, they were talking about, well, you know, who was Bloody Mary? Was Bloody Mary an actual person or was it just, you know, just some made up person folklore or whatever so i found 
four contenders for possibly being Bloody Mary. The most likely was, and I mentioned earlier, was uh, Mary Tudor, Queen Mary I. So she ruled um, between 1553 and her death in 1558. Unlike her father, Henry VIII, you might have heard of him, who was, so Henry VIII was loyal to Protestantism, but unlike him, Queen Mary was a devout Catholic, and psychotically so. Oh, no. She had burned at least 280 people at the stake. Um, these were people who were resistant to her efforts to bring Catholicism back to England. That earned her the name of Bloody Mary. Thus, why she's most likely the, the uh, best contender for, you know, who this Bloody Mary was in this in this ritual. Why was it? What's that? Why was it Bloody Mary and not like Burn Mary? <laughs> burn Mary Burn, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, another contender was uh, Mary, Queen of Scots. Although, from what I read personally, I, I don't see the argument for it. So I won't go into a lot of detail about her. But uh, she lived about the same time as uh, Mary Tudor and the two from what I understand, had a pretty contentious relationship between their kingdoms. And I believe they were related in some way, but, you know, really, who wasn't back then? Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> Next up was Mary Worth. So you heard, you know, some of the um, variations used Mary Worth. And she was allegedly a convicted witch during the Salem witch trials. Although there were many Marys in the official list of accused witches, there was no Mary Worth as far as anybody could tell. So it's possible that she was in the category of Bloody Mary not being based on a real person. And, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody made up this story. Yeah. Because I also, I also did hear variations of uh, Bloody Mary being this vain young girl who was disfigured and then... She went mad when she looked at herself in the mirror and, and you know, all this. So That's sad. Yeah, well, that's the whole point, right, well, these, yeah. with these, uh, these urban legends. And it also, you know, like with Mary Worth or with this story of this young girl, it makes it impossible to trace back, you know. So you, you have to just assume that it's a made-up story at some point. The final contender, although her name makes no sense for quote-unquote Bloody Mary, her reputation, her reputation, her reputation certainly gives her credibility. A.K.A. the Queen of Blood, A.K.A. Blood Countess herself, Mrs. Elizabeth Bathory. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where have I heard that name before? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was, so I, that's what I wanted to mention. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um. Now, I, I don't get the whole Elizabeth Bathory being Bloody Mary. Well, could Mary, I mean, this might be dumb, but could Mary be like a a nickname? I did look up that just to see, but I, I couldn't find anything. Okay. I, I really don't think. My suspicion is that people just had a hard time saying Bloody Elizabeth, Bloody <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> it's too much of a chunk twister. So somebody along the lines is like, screw it. Let's just call her Mary. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, but I thought she was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Just slapping at bloody Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that caught my interest and really turned this into a story 
that's something I learned I knew nothing about. I never really thought, I guess I never really thought about it was, but there's actually a phenomenon. <laughs> what? Are you laughing at the fact that I actually pronounced <laughs> phenomenon? <laughs> no. <laughs> the way you said podialism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now, now you're making fun of my speech impediment. <laughs> right. It's just funny. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm like probably slap happy. <laughs> yeah. It is late. It is 12 past 3. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. So there's this phenomenon. Wow. Okay. Don't make me say that word again. Because I said it right three times in a row. Where... If you stare in a mirror in a dimly lit room, after a while, you can, it's not guaranteed, but you can start to hallucinate a bit. Hallucinate is kind of a strong word, but you can start to see things. Well, if you just, like, in a dimly lit room, like, not completely dark? Yeah, so if it's, so the whole ritual is, you know, you're supposed to be in, well, they say darkened uh, bathroom with a candle, right? That was the whole thing, but yeah, so a dimly lit room with a mirror could be a bathroom or whatever but very dim light so you can see yourself but it's not pitch dark that if you just stand there and stare in the mirror after a time a lot of people will will start to hallucinate it and i'll explain I'll explain why but that, that kind of makes sense of why this ritual kind of took off because you get somebody in that position they're scared because of what might happen well for us we're going to get our eyes gouged out for for you guys, you're going to just have a nice, just have a nice conversation. <laughs> and that's scary for our generation. Yes. <laughs> you have to talk to somebody face to face. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so that's based on the <laughs> sorry, <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> going to say it again. Term the Trexler effect, which has to do with uh, visual perception and optical illusions. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Are you back on the bloody Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What are you laughing about this time? <laughs> I don't know. You are slapping. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know those you know those pictures that you can stare at that you know and then it'll start moving or you know the dots will start moving around and stuff. Yeah. It's it's the same kind of concept. So just like an optical illusion. Yeah, it's kind of that's why I say hallucination is kind of an extreme uh, word because it is more like an op- optical illusion. My understanding is that it has to do with your brain's need to make sense of the visual input. Yeah. And it's trying to determine what's relevant and what's not relative. Excuse me. It's trying to determine what's relevant and not relevant. Because your your brain is always filtering input to avoid overload. Right? So it's, you know, you're visually taking all this information all the time and you, your brain has to filter some of that out because it's just too much. So in this situation, for whatever reason, in the dim room, probably because of the optical illusion effect, I'm not a scientist, so I'm just, you know, my guess here is that your brain is getting confused and then it's trying to fill in details because it has to it needs to have things make sense. Yeah. So when something doesn't look right, it tries to fill in the details. And those details can be whatever the brain, you know, figures will make sense, right? 
so I, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to ask you to try this out for this episode, but I didn't want to kind of give away what I was talking about. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe if you are willing to try this, we can, we can, uh, come back in another episode and, and, uh, like and talk about your experiences. Sitting in front of a mirror or the Bloody Mary? Well, I mean, if you're too lazy to stand, yes, sit in front. No, not the, not the Bloody Mary. <laughs> too lazy to stand. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> And so, yeah, with the the whole Bloody Mary thing, so obviously the creepiness is effect is taking, you know, taking over. And then with this optical illusion thing, I can see where people are just like, oh, you know, I, I saw something, right? So are you supposed to just stare at yourself? Like at your, like your... Hopefully there's nobody else <laughs> there. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were supposed to like look around or like... No, you're supposed to just stare at yourself. And so I tried this. You did? Yes. A few times. <laughs> so let, let me tell you what I experienced. Oh, no. <laughs> so first, the, the, the first night, I, I did it a couple times. It was for a few minutes. One of my problems was just ADD, right? Yeah. Just standing there. And in a lie, it was, it was really kind of creepy. Just standing, <laughs> standing in a dimly lit room, staring at yourself in the mirror. Kind of creepy. I'm surprised, especially for anyone walked in, like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> well, especially it's dark, you know, yeah. it's kind of dimly lit. I was waiting for somebody to come up behind <laughs> me and just scare the crap out of me. <laughs> that was my biggest concern. I was like, oh my God, somebody's going to walk in <laughs> and I'm going to see this face floating up behind me in the mirror. Oh, that would have been funny. I think... Um, I think positioning of the light is important uh, as far as, you know, where, so I had a night light in there and I tried it in a couple of different positions as far as how it was casting a light on my face, because I figured that would have a difference in the illusions that you would see. I did want to try it with a candle, but I didn't want, you know, to raise questions about what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> the, so the first thing I noticed was, and this might've been the creep factor is I started to kind of feel detached from the image in the mirror. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was kind of like I was I was expecting it to be moving on its own, like like it wasn't me or whatever. Yeah, right? it was me, but it wasn't me. It's really hard to explain, but again, I think that was kind of the creepiness factor on that. At one point, though, my my face started to blur out in the mirror, um, kind of morphing into you know you know those shows where like somebody. You know, like when we're watching horror movies where somebody's you know, doesn't have a mouth yeah. or their eyes are gone, you know, and it's just skin or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of what like my face was, was kind of looking like at one time, but it was, it was blurry. And I think it was kind of the, your eyes going out of focus. Yeah. Right. Type of thing. But the last thing I saw on that, that, that first thing, that first try was that I swear I saw my mirror image blinking. Although <laughs> I swear I was not blanking. And I don't even think, <clears throat> excuse me, squeak there, puberty. <laughs> I don't even think I could see myself blinking because my eyes would be closed, right? If I was blinking, yeah. then I wouldn't even see. But, and I, and I, I waited for a couple of times to see this. And that's when I, I stopped. I was, this is freaking me out. Yeah. But I swear that I saw the mirror image blink a couple of times. And I'm like, oh my God. So there's no way in hell I'm going to say Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. I, was, I didn't even want to think it, right? It was like, don't think Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Yeah, but when you say don't think it, your brain's going to think it. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's why that's why I had to stop. <laughs> so the second night was freakier. Although I wasn't as creeped out as far as, you know, it was more of a scientific experiment at that point. I wasn't like, this is really creepy. And, you know, it's like just you like, knew what you were going to Yeah, I knew. You know, it, it was still kind of, I was still waiting for somebody to come up behind me because, you know, the the room behind me is all dark and there's there's different doors and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, just waiting for somebody to, to come up and scare the crap out of me. But <laughs> uh, so the, the first thing I saw, and it, it happened pretty quick, was that the one side of my face, the, the side that was more in shadow, started to uh, look uh, like deformed, swollen. Best I could describe it was kind of like an ogre type face. Like, so I had this normal face and then this ogre face, right? And then just my features were, were kind of kind of shifting into, you know, I swear I kind of um, saw like a skull type of thing, but you know, kind of like overlapping my face or, you know, kind of um, double image. But that might have just been, again, my imagination thinking about what other people had mentioned experiencing and stuff. Yeah. Over time, that 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 whole um, morphing of the face kind of took over on the whole face. But the interesting thing I noticed is when I would try to focus on anything in particular, that the, the illusion would kind of go away. Yeah. So I really think it was a matter of in the dimly lit room, your eyes are, for whatever reason, because they're trying to make the sense of things, that they're going kind of out of focus. And it was actually kind of annoying that, you know, I was trying to get a good look at what was going on, but every time I tried to focus, I would lose it. And yeah. then I would have to wait for it to come back. So it is pretty interesting. So do you look straight in your eyes or what did you focus on? I just Yeah, just stared just stared at me right yeah just so it wasn't like looking around at the room and stuff but i think it's really you you need to be focusing right on yourself i mean it's interesting it would be interesting to look around but i didn't want to see freaky things going on in the room behind me either so yeah but so that's my story i certainly hope that speaking of bloody mary i cer certainly hope that no one has ever been successful in summoning bloody mary but um but i imagine there's a lot of stories out there about people who have done that either in school and had a good conversation with Mary or, <laughs> or done this, you know, as a kid during sleepovers. I don't know about you. I, w I would love to hear some of those stories. Yeah. It would be interesting. Yeah. Hopefully fun and interesting stories, not, you know, anything tragic, you know, Yeah. or if, if anybody has, has done or does the staring in the mirror would love to hear about those experiences too. Okay. Now, what's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I won't suggest anyone try staring in the mirror. Disclaimer, do not try this at home. <laughs> I don't want to get sued <laughs> if somebody freaks out staring in the mirror yeah. and gouges their own eyes out. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to get sued for that. But if you do, remember, you still have your ears, so please continue to listen to our podcast. <laughs> And that's all I have. Uh, I have to try that, but I'm kind of scared. Yeah, it is. It is creepy. I'll give you that. But once you get, like I said, once you get past that creep factor, now I say that, but I, I tell you, I would not say the Bloody Mary thing. No. No. But once you get past the creep factor of it's just weird. One, just weird standing there. 
in the, you know in a dimly lit room. I would really love to try it with a candle to see how the flickering light yeah. uh, affects the illusion. But yeah, maybe if you can try it out, we can next episode or one of these episodes, whenever you get the courage to try it out, we can uh, talk about what happened. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So yeah, that was it. That was the story. Like like I said, I uh, would love to hear anybody's experiences, although you did not hear it from us to try them. Uh, it's getting late, so we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. And good night. Good night.